is unbelievable. Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. My golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, hello, it's Thursday, and so it is time for the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the TabTouch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you run into any difficulties. All right, so... Glenn Quartermain has gotten his very small hands on the menu from Entrecote Restaurant. I'm excited, Duff. Are you? Yeah. I like my French fare. Do you? Of course, this is the restaurant where the uh, Melbourne drama spilled out onto the footpath. And before we start, Duff, you've probably got to ask the question of Stephen May. When you're punched in the head twice by different players in different clubs, you've sort of got to ask the question, don't you? Not only that, when you have concussions from... Two players from your own club mm-hmm. within two weeks. <laughs> You're not going that well either. No, that's true. I'm sure Jake Lever didn't mean it though on the field, but uh, I think uh, Jake Melsham did clearly. Uh, Duff, before we get from the outset, oh, let, let's just talk a bit of footy first, and then we can have a look at Entrecot. Okay, which is the uh, of course uh, the venue, the said venue. Um, a buy for West Coast this week, very timely. I think calling the season off might be very timely for West Coast. Mm. Um, Look, you would hope that West Coast use the buy to regroup. Um, I'm told there's a lot of West Coast players ready to resume in the waffle, like up to 15. So we're talking Willie, Liam this week particularly coming back? Yeah, I think there's more than that. Uh, Elliot's not? um, No, clearly he got suspended, Mm. um, so that's a bit of a blow for him. Would they run Dom Sheet around in the waffle again, make sure he's you know absolutely cherry ripe to play in the AFL the following week? Probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, up to 15 players playing this week. I can see them winning a couple of games. In the back half of the season? Yeah, I can. If they get their full complement back, you have a little, you have a break now, you put it behind you, and you reset, uh, I can see them winning a couple. Well, they should win a couple, hmm. shouldn't they? At least, really. If they don't win a couple, then you have to ask the question whether they're actually trying. Let's not kid ourselves. At the start of this year, West Coast had loaded the gun and were taking one more shot at the title. So... If they get them all out there, they should be winning games of footy. Not all of them. Um, clearly, they've had disrupted preparations and that sort of thing. But you can't be losing by 50 points every week mm. with their best team on the park. Gee, one more shot at the title. They look like ALE and they've sort of looked a bit like Joe Bugner at the moment, don't they, if you're talking one well, shot they, at the title? They look a bit like Barry Hall against Sonny Bill Williams yeah, is what true. they look like. Mm. So, and in fact, some, some games they played in this year, it's been over that early. Um, as early as... Well, it was over uh, first quarter last week. Yeah. Yep. So let's hope the bye, have a bit of a reset, have a rest, rest some sore limbs. I'm sure Josh Kennedy will love having the week off. He looks sore as a boil. Yeah, so he's determined to play through the season, which is an interesting call, I think. Um, with Jack Darling back in form now, they have the opportunity to have a look at Hugh Dixon, maybe later in the year throw Jack Williams a game. If mm. Jack Williams shows some form... In the waffle, um, I hope they manage Josh carefully if he's determined to play through the rest of the year. This is purely me talking as a selfish fan and a person who's a great admirer of Josh Kennedy. Um, I don't want to remember Josh limping around like he was limping around against the Western Bulldogs. No, that's not how I want to remember him. I don't think we will. I think great players, great champions, of which Josh is clearly one. I think the body of work is so overwhelmingly good that even now it's seared on our memory, but I think in time we'll appreciate the great games. I think Shannon Hearn's going okay, so that's fine. You know, he keeps going till the end of the year. Um, I was quite pleased to see Luke Shuey play 
something like his best against. Well, how many has he strung together Adelaide? now? Three? Yeah, about that. Mm. And and he just started to break lines and he won clearances. He won 10 clearances against the Crows. was actually the player that really drove the... You, it's probably too strong a word to call it the second half revival, but certainly that period in the second half where you saw belief flicker a little bit with West Coast and they got within, I think, within four goals before Tex Walker uh, kicked the one that nailed the game. Um, yeah, look, let's see how they go in the waffle this week and hopefully um, they get a good sort of tick out of that health-wise and they have players starting to filter back into the team over the back half of the year. But let's also hope they continue trying to find players in the back half of the year because that really has to be their main mission now, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, Interesting column from Paul Hazelby today saying they should target four players in particular. One being Zerha, one being Riley West, the Western Bulldogs, son of Scott, uh, who's not getting a game at the moment. Paddy Dow and Zach Fisher, two players at Carlton who um, are in and out of the side. So Zach Fisher, for mine, um, and Zerha would be great additions. But, yeah, interesting. Him saying, just go for those four. Yeah, what I would say is just be careful. Um, West Coast DNA has always been draft first, trade for specific needs later. They need a critical mass of talent and they don't have it at the moment that means they need to take a number of draft picks and they need to invest very heavily in the draft you know you can probably pick up one through the pre-season draft walk them an out of contract player but you're probably going to struggle to pick up more than one and uh, everything else is going to have to be traded for and that means you've got to give up draft picks and that hurts your draft hand now we'll get on to Frio when we do our tips yeah what did you make of the whole Melbourne it's a bit of a mess this week uh, well, I want to start with the menu at Entrecote. Oh, no, s- let's do it, mate. I want to see well, where look, the Demons players dine. Well, I'm going to say I've got the hors d'oeuvres here, okay? So this is, a, this, is a, this is a classy Melbourne establishment, which is quite ironic that Melbourne chose to eat there and not at some uh, kebab joint. Do down, they have a uh, cheese uh, platter, Glenn? I couldn't find the cheese platter, but I'm saying I'll tell you what I'm having for orders at 19.90, which is fair. That's a fair price, actually. Escargot. I'm going to have the snails baked in garlic and herb butter. Uh, clearly, they were off the other night, and clearly that's what um, Jake <laughs> Melksham and Stephen May consumed. I'm tipping you, Duff. You're a foie gras man. Foie gras? Foie gras with chicken liver pardo. I've had it once. What the hell is foie gras? I don't know. I didn't like it. With toasted brioche and pickled cherries, $22.90. That's you. (laughs) No. Or would you be (laughs) tempted by the trumpet Francois? (laughs) No, no. I'll tell you what... um I'll tell you what Stephen May had. What do you have? Bruised chin. <laughs> and I'll tell you what um, Jake Melksham sent back. Mm-hmm. Hot tongue and cold shoulder. <laughs> Very good. Well, <laughs> I think right now he's got broken hand. <laughs> broken hand, yes. So f- for the menu gourmand, you can have two courses for $79.90 or three courses for ninety-four ninety. I think for my... I'm going to go the uh, French onion soup with the croutons, and I'm going to go the... um, I think I'll go the uh, pasture-fed Cape Grim Angus Porterhouse uh, with frites and our secret herb butter sauce. Yourself? Yeah. It's not... um It's not the Capri in Fremantle, is it? Yeah, where you go and you get... um, If you order a main... Of pasta, which incidentally is very good pasta at the Capri in Fremantle, put in a plug for one of my favourite restaurants, you get the minestrone soup thrown in for free. Do you? Yes, you do. I'll take that. Yeah. I'm going to wash it down with a Domaine Berthier Le Instant Sauvignon Blanc from France. Right. Pretty cheap too. I'd probably go the Entrecote Signature Steak Frites, mm-hmm. pasture-fed Cape Grim. That's me. That's what I'm having. Do you want to have this? You can't Cape have Grim, the same Angus dish. Porterhouse. But then we can't share, Duff, if we've got the same dish. We're steak men. Why don't you go for the uh, aged duck breast? Mushrooms? No, nah, I'm not a duck man. Oh, okay. Yep. I'll tell you what. For the what sake, about- if we can share if we can share our mains, you mm-hmm. know, swap a bit. Yep. I'll go for the poached trout, braised leeks and greens. Yeah, thank you. That's good. Lemon balm, beurre blanc, trout roe. Mm-hmm. That's good. I don't really like the look of the tomato Gillette smoked eggplant mustard. No. No, I don't like no. it at all. So um, anyway, 
we've that's let, let's uh, next time we're in Melbourne, mate. Let's uh, venture down to Entrecot and. So, what do you make of Max Gorn coming out and speaking very frankly about his embarrassment about this? Well, it was actually. I thought it was good leadership. Yeah, I liked it. Got on yeah. the front foot. Um, clearly, it was a mess behind the scenes. And clearly, there's a bit of it. Not, not division. I think Stephen May is on the outer at, yeah. the, at, the, at the moment. So clearly, it's, it's, it's uh, sort of all fingers pointing at him, I think, behind the scenes. Interesting that he got, um, he got the week. Yeah. Well, he was the one belittling teammates. Mm. Um, and Melksham tried to put a stop to it. Now, if it's true that the comment was, um, you know, if you play in the grand final, no, they, well, they, they they insist that's not true. Do they insist that's not true? They because do. There's a lot of noise true. about that being true, right? So I'm not sure, but if he did, I'd see what there'd be 18 other players who'd be pretty dark on that. Yeah, that's not going to help. That's not going to help bring them back together. And Joel Smith, when you watch Joel Smith play, he looks like a heart and soul sort of player. That may be sometimes just in your best 22, sometimes just out of your best 22, but the sort of player that teammates would be happy to have in the best 22. Mm. So if he's been belittling him on the way to getting thumped by Jake, then I suspect that won't sit too well either. No, I think some good advice. Um, of course, we had the State of Origin last night. Um, an absolute star for Queensland in their win over New South Wales and Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster, you will recall, had some dramas off-field earlier this year. Put himself into rehab. Has not had a drop of alcohol since. And starred last night. Change rooms after the game. The beers were flowing, not for Cameron Munster. He was happy to have a soda water. Yeah. I'm just suggesting that perhaps Stephen, there's a history there, even though the original Gold Coast incident was in an off-season trip, maybe just give it a rest during the season if this is what happens. Yeah, and also, Stephen, you're not as tough as you think you are because clearly Campbell Brown used you as a punching bag and now Jake Melksham has mm. as well. So maybe... Yeah. And box Jake Melksham, they, they say. Yeah, can seriously go, mm. apparently. Does, so it, does it a lot. Picked the wrong target there. Used to spar a bit with Wayne Carey. Okay. Which I'm told is not for the faint-hearted either. Okay. All right, let's get along into the agenda and see if we can pick a few winners this week. How'd you go last week? Uh, five out of six. Well done. Yeah. Four for me. Yeah. Who'd you miss? Who did I miss? Uh, I missed Melbourne. Yep. And I missed, um, I missed Western Bulldogs. I missed Melbourne. I got Geelong. Uh, who was the other one I missed? No, I only missed one. Yeah, that's right. I missed Melbourne. Well done to you. It's a tough round, actually. Will Melbourne right? bounce back, you think? Well, let's get to that. All right. Let's do it in uh, chronological order. Let's start with Richmond and Port Adelaide. Richmond are $1.50 with tab touch. Port Adelaide are $2.60. MCG, I'm curious about this game, Duff. Tell me why Port have picked their side with no Ruckman. So they've dropped Sam Hayes. In comes Jeremy Finlayson to lead the Ruck. So clearly they're going to rove to the Richmond Rucks, and clearly they're looking for speed over the ground. And we're told Pal Pepper may get a stint in the Ruck. Yeah, I'd advise against that. Nan Curvis and Bolter for Richmond. Charlie Dixon is playing, isn't he? Yes. I would play Charlie Dixon in the ruck a bit. I'd play Jeremy Finlayson forward a bit more. Would you? Um, Charlie ready for that? Missed a lot of big chunk of footy. Put him into the centre square and then let him go forward mm. from there. And and if, if, you, if you want to bullock around the ground with Pal Pepper, that's fine. I don't like the... I don't like the treating the ruck role with contempt... Like that, I understand why people do it every now and again because they want more run around the ground and they want what want more ground level pressure. And look, if Ken Hinckley comes out of this with a win, we're going to call this a masterstroke, aren't we? Particularly if it's speed around the well, ground. Well, I think they need win. to, Duff, because it's it's at the G. There'll be three, could be three games shy of the eight if they yeah. lose this. So this is really um, line in the sand. Season 2022 for Port Adelaide. Roll the dice. I believe so. And Richmond, uh, they're a game out of the eight. So everyone keeps talking Richmond up, but they're about where I thought they'd be. They're in 10th position at the moment. I think they'll make it, but they'll be in the bottom end of that eight. Okay. I'm picking the Tigers. I think the Tigers win this game. It's at the MCG. As I've always said, it's a four-goal um, head start when Richmond plays at the MCG. Yep, Richmond for me. Um, I think they play the ground well. Um, Port Adelaide, I think they're they're improved over their start to the year, but I'm I'm, I'm yet to be convinced they're finals material. Great. Essendon versus Carlton Friday night. 
Essendon are $3.30 outsiders in this game, and Carlton are $1.33. So this is a big game for Essendon, celebrating their 150th anniversary. They've rolled out all the champions this week, and what great champions they are, but it won't get the job done because they're not playing. In fact, some of them might do a better job than the current crop, oh, to be ouch, quite frank. Ouch. Well, they've been pathetic. There have been um, labels thrown at West Coast this week about insipid. Well, Essendon haven't given a yelp. Yeah, I agree. And I've... I'm dark because I picked them to finish in the fall. So are they the most disappointing team this yes, year? Yes, by a mile. More disappointing than West well, Coast? Well, I think so because I didn't expect West Coast to – I think if they made the eight, they'd be at the bottom end. And while we – I think we've been harsh on West Coast – or harsher on West Coast over the last three weeks because we feel it's time to stop making the excuse. But early in the season, we felt there was an excuse, didn't we, really? You know, with the injuries and the COVID. Well, I think they had some mitigating circumstances early, but it's morphed into something else now. Yeah, but Essendon, yeah, I agree. They haven't fired a shot. Um, or What's wrong with them, Quarters? Well, I think there's missing structure at both ends. They're missing small forwards. Tipper's departure from the games hurt them. Um, clearly, they're, they're six to eight players short who would be first picked. So I think you've, that is a mitigating circumstance. But the players there, now they've had quite a while, to, to Adrian Dodoro and the powers that be at Essendon, have had quite a few seasons now to compile this squad. And really, you, the, the depth isn't there, Duff. The depth isn't there. So I think it's an indictment on them. And um, look... You can't, you can't even see them popping next year. As teams since can take a bit of a backward step and then flourish, to, I can't even see that happening now next year. So, I just think they've got too many players um, who don't go both ways in the midfield, and they're missing structure at both ends. And um, I think there's that lack of depth. You, That's mean, what's you mean run both ways in the midfield? That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> so that's your mind at work, Duff, not mine. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're both on Carlton to Absolutely. win comfortably. Absolutely. Fremantle versus Hawthorne at Optus Stadium on Saturday. Fremantle are $1.13 favourites. Hawthorne are $5.80 um, outsiders. What's the forecast stuff? It's wet. Mm. So that makes it interesting, doesn't it? Mm. So I'll be taking my boys to the game. So we'll be taking the the brown, brown and gold ponchos. Yes. Um, you'd give Hawthorne a chance given it. I'm picking Freo. I think their form's great. I think they should they, they should be able to put away Hawthorne, which is a, an emerging team but a very young list still and finding it hard to get those four quarters together, let alone week to week. They sort of played very well, almost got Collingwood last week, so you almost expect this week. The way the season's flowed with Hawthorne, it's been good week, bad week. Um, but they're on the road, may reinvigorate them. It's wet, that'll help Hawthorne because they're a bit one-paced in the midfield. Um, I think Frio's going too well. Three begins for Frio, obviously. Fife comes in, Switkowski comes in, which is which is timely because Fredericks goes out and Michael Walters we expect to come in as well. So they're three begins. Fife, massive in, dual Brownlow medalist. Expect him to play a fair bit forward as he builds his tank. I'd like to see him play more midfield later in the year, but that remains to be seen. I'm intrigued as to how it's going to work, Duff. So I think Does he play just a, a high forward role? No, I think what's going to happen, I think he's going to play in the midfield a bit this week because it's going to be wet. And I think one of the things that happened against Gold Coast, I think what happened with Fremantle is that in the wet, Fremantle just couldn't score. So a lot of the measurements in that game actually stacked up well for Freo and they just couldn't... Um, score when they got the ball inside attacking 50. Obviously, when you go inside attacking 50 65 times and you kick what they kick, you've failed. So does he, do they start with him in attack and then break the glass if required? Well, I think the thing is, what I'm getting to here is against Collingwood, I think it was a different issue. I thought they got beaten around the ball against Collingwood and I thought some of the Collingwood more mature, stronger body players really played significant roles in that Which game. Which is why you would break glass if that happened against Hawthorne. Well, I'd be inclined to give Nathan a fair run through the middle in this game. Just because he's a big, strong body, he'll hold his ground, um, he'll allow some of the smaller and younger Fremantle players to play around him. He'll also, I think, take a bit of... Um, the heat off David Mundy and take a bit of the heat off Will Brody, even though Will Brody's showing no signs of tiring mm. at this stage. So I'd use him in a mix of midfield and forward roles, but I wouldn't be afraid to put him in the in the midfield this week because I think the big strong body, if it's wet, I think will come in very handy. 
Because don't forget, you know, Jaeger O'Meara, big, strong boy. Uh, Tom Mitchell, not necessarily big, but very strong, very brave, uh, very good contested ball winner. Um, the Hawks have a couple of others that can really do a bit of damage in and around the middle, even though they're not quick. So I would be, I, I would be, I certainly wouldn't be shy about putting Nathan in the midfield this week. Mm. In fact, a wet game might be a good way to um, to get him going. But interesting to see how they handle the wet because they had, they did have two shockers. Yeah, they did. And since then, they've really had two probably two of their better wins in yeah. recent times. Yeah. So, and I tend to think that wet footy will take a bit of. Fremantle's great strength away from them, which is that ability to get speed on the ball out of the back. I think what Fremantle does, and I think what Justin Longmuir does very well as a coach, is that he gets them all commit, all to, to all to commit to what I would call total football. And total football basically means where every forward commits to playing a significant role in team defence, and every defender commits to playing a significant role in team attack. So. In the loss to Collingwood particularly, there were some pretty bad exits from that Frio forward line. Yeah. Um, so that's something – they've just got to get that right. Yeah. If they get that right, they win this game. And that's about, as much as anything, a, f- a few times their forwards overcommitted to try and lay the crush pressure and the tackle and instead of corralling and slowing the ball movement down and turning it into a, a battle for possession further up the ground. So um, hopefully they'll learn from that. Hopefully they play it differently um obviously not from your perspective quarters you're a hawks boy mm-hmm. but um from my perspective hopefully they learn from that and they play that a little bit differently they slow them down they take the territory and then you know the other thing you got to do in the wet which makes it a bit of a crapshoot is scoring becomes more like soccer scoring you got to put the ball in the back of the net when you get half mm. a chance um, you can't just turn a certain amount of inside 50s into a certain amount of scores yep. You have to handle cleanly, kick straight. And scoreboard pressure is massive in the wet, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what got them in both those games. You know, Gold Coast and Collingwood were both able to score from opportunities. And um, it put pressure on Fremantle to rush and press and get away from what might have won them the game. So, yeah, I think get get some score on the board, get pressure on the Hawks, um, and hopefully get the four points and get out of dodge. Uh, Frio free for me and you. Freo for me, but just this is just one of those games where if it's wet, get the win and head to the break and recharge your batteries. Mm, might have a bit of a crack at the five bucks, though, a bit of happiness insurance. Okay, you do that. <laughs> All right, Brisbane versus St Kilda. Brisbane are $1.38. This is at the Gabba on Saturday evening, and St Kilda are $3.05. Now, Quarters, if you were doing a market for the premiership at the moment, where would you have the Lions... In the pecking order, and where would you have the Saints? Oh, I've got the Lions where they are on the ladder. I've got them second. I've still got them marginally ahead of Frio. We've then got then we then got Geelong, St Kilda, Sydney. I'd have Carlton and Sydney ahead of St Kilda. Would you? Hmm. You know what? So I'm not convinced, am I, by St Kilda? I never have been. Mm. You're going to have to go deep in September to convince me. I'm going to say that if I'm picking a top four right now. I'm going to say Melbourne's still my top seed. Um, I'm not sure how much there is between Fremantle and Brisbane anymore. I'm, I'm not particularly... Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm not particularly happy with the way Brisbane defend the ground. Um, and I would have St Kilda next. I, I like the brand that St Kilda plays, and I think they're underrated. Well, you can get them with speed in their back half. They're not that quick out of their back half, Brisbane. Yeah. So that's where you can get them. So St Kilda may uh, be able to uh, milk that this week. But, yeah, look, I'm yet to be convinced. Clearly they're sitting in fifth. They've had a good year. So clearly uh, my pre-season doubts have been erased somewhat. But I'm just not sure if they're pointy and stuff yet. So what happens if St Kilda goes to Brisbane and mm-hmm. beats the Lions at the Gabba? Well, they'll they have to rethink where what this pecking order is, but I still don't think they can challenge. Okay. So I think Fremantle can challenge. I think Carlton can challenge. I don't think Sydney will, but they can. I just don't see St Kilda with the weaponry to do so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I like the way they play, and it's, it's growing on me. I they, hope I'm wrong, by the way. Nothing would please me more to see St Kilda back at the pointy end. I love their supporters, and I, I love the club. They're and a I great love club, the str- I love the struggle. Yeah. 
They are a great club, and the and the stories are so colourful as well. The social club, everything about St Kilda. I there was one of those grounds you used to fear as a kid growing up in Melbourne, going to certain grounds. I well, never used to fear going to Moravian. It was a real experience. You have to get the train into Flinders Street, then this awful train out along the Nepean Highway, and you get to Moravian. You have to walk to the stadium. But I love the experience. How far was the walk from? Oh, I was. I think it was about 10 minutes Yeah, okay. once you get off the train. Most of them were very close. But Where did you sit at Marabba? Uh, on the outer wing, so the other side to the cage. I'm not going anywhere near the cage. I used to look across the ground and think, I don't want to be in there. That was where was, Chopper Reed used to be. Oh, right? yeah, the cage was you just did not want to be in the middle there. You, you know, Victoria Park, Collingwood, you'd go the outer there. I got hit over the head with a brolly by an old Collingwood granny one day over there. Um, it, was, it wasn't great out there. Uh, but Marabba, there was something about it. It was like a day trip. Geelong was a bit like that too, because that's an hour on the train from Melbourne. But it was it was just something different about it. Did you ever go to the infamous St Kilda Social Club? Uh, Redheads. I don't think I ever got to that social club. Was it Saints Disco or Redheads? No, Redheads was at Lakeside Lake, Oval. Lakeside that Oval. was South Melbourne's old ground. There was a St Kilda Social Club. At that was Redheads. Oh, is that Redheads? No, that was at Lakeside Redheads. Okay. Yeah. What was I say? It was called Saints Disco. Right. Yeah, I think it was called Saints Disco, where Trevor Barker infamously at three-quarter time, when they're getting pumped by about eight goals, said, boys, it's all up there. <laughs> but you've got to put in on the field. <laughs> but you've got to put in for this last 30 minutes. You'd go there, you'd walk in the gates, and you just smell the mud. Yeah. Because they used to hose Moorabbin down yeah. the eve of the game and the morning of the game. It was muddy anyway. Yeah. You'd just smell it. Cold showers. Yeah. Barry Dickens, best intro of a footy review ever. Uh, Sinkulda v Fitzroy. He was a Melbourne playwright. It was Moorabbin, full stop, Stone Cold Pie, full stop, Mud, full stop. <laughs> Greatest intro ever written. <laughs> the, um, the showers used to be pretty cool too, I'm, I'm told. I think the, the Eagles, when they first travelled to Moorabbin, um, I believe that they found it a bit, uh, a bit confronting. The cold water in Melbourne, yeah. if you think, by the way, people, if you've never been to Melbourne, and never lived in Melbourne. If you think you can have a cold shower in Perth, you haven't had a cold shower until you've had a cold shower in mm. Melbourne. I've had a few. The temperature of the water in Melbourne is a completely different beast to the temperature of the water in Perth. So Moorabbin and Victoria Park, I'm told, they, you, as a vid- visiting team, they turn off the hot water. Yeah. So it was always a cold shower. Just make it as uncomfortable as it can possibly be. That's right. <laughs> uh, Brisbane for me to win this game. Brisbane for me, but I... I, I just have a feeling that the Saints are going to treat this as a statement game um, and go up there and try and basically put their names to the forefront in terms of the race for the... the well, the Lions might double down on the statement and make it their own statement game. Yeah, I don't like the way Brisbane are playing at the moment. I just think they're a bit vulnerable at the back. And I know that they have great strengths. The duel between Daniel Rich and Michael Frederick last week said a lot about Brisbane I reckon Rich had the ball 32 times I think and he launched an enormous amount of Brisbane counter-attack so you can't say he wasn't an effective player for them, I think he got some coaches votes but so did Michael Frederick Mm. and every time there was a quick counter-attack Fremantle's way Michael Frederick was just out and gone and Rich just couldn't go with him Mm. and I think that says a bit about them you know, I think Stasevich is a very good small to mid defender I think Darcy Gardner is a good lockdown small to mid defender and, well, mid to big defender, actually. And losing him last week, you know, early in the game wouldn't have helped them. Harris Andrews, to me, yeah, is just spluttering and stuff. And also, he's not a real rebound defender and neither is Marcus Adams. So, where do they get, if it's not Daniel Rich, where do they get their run and carry and quick ball move from the back? I don't think, right now, I don't think they do. And I think that's a problem for them. Yeah, so Chris Fagan's going to have to be inventive, but he may not need to worry about it too much if the ball's in their own forward 50. No, that's true. They're a very good contestant. And once it is, they are very good in there. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, I think um, Danaher is down to play either this week or next week, I think, for them. Um, they might have the buy next week. And Hipwood's sort of rolling into form now, too, after yeah. a few back from his ACL. It takes a while. They need to be realistic about what they can expect from him this year, I reckon. All right, so we're both on the lines. I think it'll be close. Perhaps you not so much. All right, so GWS Giants versus North Melbourne. Uh, this is a Sunday game. GWS are $1.14. North Melbourne are $5.60. Can you make a case for the embattled Ruse quarters? No. No? I can't pick them. 
No. I mean, they're, they're interesting comments from Daisy Thomas today saying the Eagles are worse than North. They're insipid. Uh, I don't, I don't, not sure about that. They, they just give you too much of a look in a quarter at North Melbourne. So I think if GWS, if you look at the North Melbourne side and you look at what GWS is capable of, even on a bad day, I think GWS is capable of chopping them up and they'll give them a look, North. Yeah. I think GWS will win. I, I just have a feeling we might see some improvement from North Melbourne in the back half of the year. It's at Marvel. If it was down in Hobart, I'd be tempted. I, w- I wouldn't be tempted to pick them, but I do think they're going to start to play better. Um, one, it's hard to play worse. Um, but two, there's a lot of young talent there, and sometimes young talent needs a bit of a, a slap in the face in the first half of the year to really knuckle down and get fair income about what they're doing in the back half of the year. Um, they've had some injury issues. Um, I think they can. I think they have enough talent to play significantly better than the way they're playing. But over four quarters. Um, yeah. And the thing about GWS is they can slice you up quickly. Let's not forget that. So Simpkin should now be a mature senior midfielder. Davies Uniac should now be a senior mature midfielder. Um, Horn Francis is the number one draft pick, even mm-hmm. though he's a kid. So there's a bit of talent rolling through there. Taron Thomas is now, what, in his third, fourth, maybe even fifth year? So it's time for these guys to start delivering for four quarters every week, uh, week in, week out. And they're all good players. So I'd like to see more from them. I think they're, they're capable of delivering more between now and the end of the season. And I think if they don't, I just don't see David Noble being there next year. Mm. I'm going to put on my Nostradamus hat and say Toby kicks six. Well, there's no player more likely to kick six than Toby, so I don't it's know. It's a pretty easy prediction, actually. Yeah, I reckon that's um, that require the. Nostradamus that's not a blind hat. squirrel prediction. That no, it's one. not. That's, no. that's a that's a all seeing. He could get hold of them this week. Okay, GWS for both of us. Collingwood versus Melbourne. After all the drama that Melbourne's had, Melbourne are a dollar forty-five. Collingwood are two dollars seventy-five. And just at a point where all the Melbourne players needed to cool down a bit, this is the big freeze. Well, it is. And, yeah, I know. Well, uh, and what a great event! Maybe they should put Stephen May and Jake Melksham in the tank before the game. Oh yeah. Well, I think the ice in the tank will be um, warmer than their relationship. I think. But look, that would that would be a good way to. Um, take the sting out of it, wouldn't it? Have them as sliders. You probably would. So these guys need to cool down a bit, so we're, we're sending them down the slide. What a great um, event this is every year. What a great event it's become. Uh, my heart goes out to Neil Danaher and the family. I lost my best friend at MND this year. It's a horrible disease. Um, anyone who, please go out and buy a beanie, um, support the cause. I love the way they do this, the build-up. What a hero Neil Danaher is. There's so many people out there suffering from this, and he gives them not so much hope because there's no cure for this disease at the moment, but I think hope for the future that other sufferers will um, perhaps they find a cure or better ways to deal with it. So uh, I'll be watching on Monday, and well done to everyone involved, Beck Danaher, the whole Danaher family, all the sliders. It's, it's, it's just a great event. I reckon Neil Danaher, this, this will go down as one of the great quotes, I reckon, from Neil Danaher early on in the piece. You cannot always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Mm. And I think that's... In the face of, in the face of it, what a, what a courageous human being. What a great saying. He's yeah. a great man. He was, uh, he's been a great football person, Neil Danaher. Of course, Essendon supporters will remember the three late goals he kicked in that game against Carlton in Princess Park before he had all the knee problem back in... I remember it well. Was it 1981? How many did he kick? Was it five and a half? Well, he kicked three very late. Yeah. uh, When the bombers looked like they were they were buried and they got out from under Carlton. It's one of a a famous famous victory. He was also the bloke as the senior assistant coach to Kevin Sheedy in 1993 that unlocked Carlton Centre Square setup before the 1993 Grand Final, which proved to be a decisive thing in the Bombers, the Baby Bombers Premiership. Was also the bloke who got Melbourne to a Grand Final. Yeah, he's been a significant, significant football person, and even um, more significant person in our society because of what he's done around motor neurons. And left an impact here too, both at Frio and at West Coast. Yep. Yeah, he was terrific early on for Fremantle and a great steadying influence at West Coast after all the um, the upheaval and uh, the trauma of the sort of strife-torn uh, group between 2002 and 2007. Um, Neil Danaher was one of the people who came on board. Just was a really good steadying influence for the club. Now, 
this could go either way for Melbourne this game, but I believe they'll win this game. Collingwood in some pretty good form. Almost unpeeled by Hawthorne last week, late. Unpeeled. A couple of con- con- um, contentious decisions, both for Hawthorne and for Collingwood. Um, oh, been a lot of lot of cackle around Ginnivan this week again, you know, um, not being paid the free kicks now. Interesting to see where that goes. Look, they, they Collingwood tackles really well. They, there's, they have apply relentless pressure. They take the game on. So if they do get things on their terms, then they can hurt you. But they do give you looks as well. I just think Melbourne, it's it's funny because the, the, as bad as the week has been for Melbourne, it's almost going to help them to galvanise them. Stephen May's not playing. okay? So he might, may not have even played because he had a pretty bad concussion. So he may not have even played this week. But I just think this has got the potential to galvanise them and reset them and get them back on track. I still am, as you do, Duff, I still have them as the number one seed. I think their very best football is better than anyone's at the moment. And I think that everyone has this little bit of a form slump. It may be what they need. And they had, last week wasn't a disaster against Sydney. They jumped them and then... Sydney just slowly reeled them in. It was impressive by Sydney. But I just reckon this is going to be a bounce back this week by Melbourne. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm not quite as sold on that as you are. I wonder whether Collingwood has the the cattle for the centre to bother Melbourne in the air like Fremantle did a couple of well, weeks ago. With that May, they're a different setup in the back half, aren't they? Yeah, and Sydney did it as well. Sam Reid and uh, Logan McDonald both had big games against them last week. So it'll be interesting to see how Collingwood go about trying to replicate that if they do. Um, maybe Darcy Cameron you know, stays forward a bit more. The thing about Darcy Cameron, he can not only catch it, he's a very good kick. Um, Brady Mychek clearly would... He's sort of like a Griffin Logue type, isn't he? When that bustling, you know, all effort sort of forward. Um, I think Melbourne needs to get on the front foot out of their back half. And I think when Melbourne were playing really well, they were really bold with the ball coming out of back half. Um, I think they need to get back to that. I think they need to give their forwards better looks at it because I think the underperformance of their forward line in the last two weeks has been a bit of a product Mm. of pretty, you know, Mediocre. They've gone into their shell. They yeah. need to back them. They know what their best is capable of, so they need to get out of that shell and and you're right, be positive from the back half. You know the other thing I reckon needs to happen. I, I reading with interest, a lot of people did top twenties for the halfway point of the season. A lot of people picked all Australian teams. Um, Christian Petrarca was in a lot of those teams and mm. in a few top fives. I reckon Christian Petrarca has been a slider this year. I reckon Christian this Petrarca, year. This year, I reckon the last three, four weeks, but I don't. I think he started the year at a belting start to the year. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He did, but I reckon Petrarca hasn't been as good as the reputation says he's been. I reckon for about he's carrying something though. Maybe, maybe. But you run out there, you run out there, as the old footy says. That's right. He wasn't good against Fremantle. They said he was crook. He wasn't great on the weekend against Sydney, and I reckon for two or three weeks before that, Hmm. I reckon Oliver was carrying. Their midfield. Well, a bit. he's still is. So, what a great player Clayton Oliver is. Yeah, and what a great player the captain is too. Yeah, you can't yeah. really do much. Well, more Matt Scorn last week, that final quarter from the outset said, "Follow me, boys. I'm going to get us over the line here." And it certainly was not his fault they didn't win. No, that's right. And showed a bit of leadership this week as well. Yeah, he's a good captain. Was it honest? Yeah. I think that honesty will help too. The honesty of his press conference when he said, I've made mistakes too in all my relationships. I do it every day. I think that's that, that helps. Yeah, well, hopefully they can put that behind them. It would be a shame to see them waste the talent they've got by imploding on themselves in the back half of the year. They're a very good team. Mm. Um, they have the right to still be the number one seeds. But shows you how hard it is, Duff, doesn't it, to be, to go back to back. It also shows you, it's that old coach saying, isn't it, it's never as good. And it's it's never never as bad. bad. And uh, let's hope they don't fall victim to that one. Duff, now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Yes, thank you to Gage Roads Albie Draft. Thank you to Thirsty Camel. Please keep, we got a lot of emails this week. Please keep sending them in. Please let us know if you're from Western Australia and please keep them relatively short. Duff. I reckon we got a clubhouse leader from the outset here, mate. I think this is going to take some beating. Um, this one from... Sorry. This one from Joseph Shulk. Now, Joseph's from WA. 
he sent me a tweet, and the tweet I verified it. It was it was tweeted at five thirty eight p.m. on the twenty sixth of May, and of course they played Melbourne two days later on May twenty eighth. His tweet said, "Logue up front, play him as a defensive forward in front of May. His job is to bring the ball down, free up tabs and lob." His, his, his email says, I'm from W. I just want some recognition for my coaching advice. A few days before the Frio Melbourne game, I gave advice to JL and Frio to our Griffin Logue up forward. Um, well, Joseph, you've got acknowledgement from us. You're the clubhouse leader right now. Very good piece of coaching. He's been very good up forward, Griffin Logue. He has. Um, if I was a coach, the only thing, being picky here, I would say that the thing that was bothering May and Melbourne before that game was the player in behind May as opposed to the player in front of him. Um, but certainly yes. the whole notion of Logue going forward and being that competitor in the air, um, he certainly hit the nail on the head with that one. Mm. Uh, this one from Jack from Cogenup. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Why are the club presidents being given a vote on a Tasmanian team? especially non-financial clubs. Well, they're representative of the clubs, and the clubs have to vote on this. Uh, and it, believe, it requires a two-thirds majority to get it across the line. So, in other words, 12 of the 18 clubs have to agree to a Tasmanian team coming in for a Tasmanian team. Yeah, where do you see in. it headed? I just get the feeling that they're going to not vote for a start-up team and, and, vote going, for a relocation. and they're going to put it on Tasmania yeah. for a relocation. Put it and, on North Melbourne. Yeah. Well, North Melbourne's the obvious yeah, one, yeah. isn't it? And apologies to all the Roos well, who else? Is, who else is there? They, they already have a, a, a toehold down there because mm. they've been playing games in Hobart. And financially, you know, I would argue, or from a supporter point of view, I'd argue they're the most vulnerable team in Melbourne. St Kilda's the interesting one because St Kilda has supporters um, and they have that base, but because of a sort of an assortment of not-so-great decisions. They are the most heavily subsidised Melbourne-based club. So I guess if you're North Melbourne, you're saying you're pointing to St Kilda, and if you're St Kilda, you're pointing to North Melbourne. Duff, we might have a challenger here. This one from Nathan Carter, and and you'll realise why at the end of this email. Hi, Duff and Quarters. As a Frio supporter, I am always disappointed that during Indigenous Round, the club which has the greatest Indigenous history gets no recognition, with Frio having an Indigenous player in all but one game during its AFL history. It's an amazing stat, that. Uh, I'm not sure if the club is trying to get something off the ground behind the scenes, but to the fans and members, there is silence in the media. Don't agree with that. Um, If Frio and Port having the second greatest Indigenous connection in the AFL got together and made it public, they want a standalone Indigenous round fixture every year, sharing the match between the venues. Would this be enough to get the AFL to realise there can be marquee games outside of Victoria? Friday night of Indigenous round... Or given Indigenous Round is held over two rounds most years, it could be the Saturday night in the second week, so not to compete with Dreamtime. Given the club has such a strong Indigenous history, it would be nice to get it recognised by the AFL. And that is signed by uh, Nathan Carter, who is the son of a Narragin Shearer. The son of a Narragin Shearer. I thought you'd like that. Yes. Being the son of a Dark Well, there were Carters out at Cabelling, um, as I remember it. And in fact, I still occasionally run into Gavin Carter, who played footy for South Fremantle and for Western Australia. He was a fullback. Um, there was a three Carter brothers from memory. They were very, very strong contributors to um, the strong cabelling football clubs of the 1970s. Um, interesting. Isn't that an amazing stat in all but one game? When was the game? I don't know, but we've, we've been talking about this in recent weeks. So, Nathan, can you pinpoint the game for me? Yeah, please do. Because I might have some fresh information from, for you on that, depending on when, when that game was. Mm. Yeah, very good email. Very good email. Uh, this one from uh, Matthew Richardson. No, not that Matthew Richardson. Uh, G'day, gents. Is there any mail on the likelihood of Rory Lobb staying at Frio this season and what sort of money... Would he be looking forward to keep him here? I watched Josh Tracy last weekend against Subiaco and he looked very impressive, impressive playing the ruck forward role. Hopefully come next season he'll be ready for a full season of AFL footy if Lobb is no longer here. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I think with Lobb it's the contract. 
to who's going to offer what contract. I suspect if Fremantle were prepared to continue the contract that he had, i.e. the level of remuneration, Roy would have re-signed and recommitted to Fremantle. I, I suspect he's um, you know, assessing his options. Um, but it's not a it's not as clear cut as I want to go home to the East Coast. Often these things are given as reasons, but the reality is it's a contractual issue. Uh, this one from Nick Ratter from Yanchep. Boys, if the previous COVID-affected seasons have given us one thing, it's the floating fixture. The ability to adjust the scheduling to put big matches and top teams into the prime slots. The concept is a win for fans, clubs and broadcasters. Well, let's look at the next three weeks of Friday night fixtures, including this week. Round 13, Essendon v Carlton. Round 14, St Kilda v Essendon. Round 15, West Coast v Essendon. Is there something special about the 2022 Essendon squad that I've missed? (laughs) Or should we write the concept of a floating fixture in crayon next year so the AFL can better understand it? Love your work, Nick from Yanchip. Love your work too, Nick. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Is that... That's... Close, isn't it? It is close. Yes, it's very high quality. We've got one, two, and three this week. We've and if a, we do it in crayon, podium. maybe red and black crayon. Oh, maybe yeah. might be. Uh, that it's, is a good. It's a good point. Um, obviously, the Essendon game this weekend is a celebration, so therefore that's that's significant. But um, they haven't really earned the right to play too many Friday night games. The Bombros. No, no, no. The floating fixture has been good. I think uh, this one from Tony from Bunbury Duff. I just reread your article from last Saturday and totally agree with the sentiment of the column. Just hoping that Frio are in the same position someday to do the same thing. A healthy disrespect for personal values and the ability to work the system to gain most advantage can only help the cause. Duff, of course, is speaking of your comment, your uh, opinion piece last week um, about the Football Commission, about West Coast. Um, what sort of feedback did you have on that? Um, so... It created a lot of reaction on social media and the, the reaction was very much along club lines. You know, I got told to get stuffed by West Coast supporters and got strong support from Fremantle supporters. As you do, yeah. Um, had a, a long conversation the other day with Wayne Martin, the chairman of the Football Commission. There'll be a story in the paper tomorrow, I believe, which comes out of that conversation. Wayne clarified the relationship between the, um, the Football Commission and West Coast, basically pointed out that technically they have the right to sack the board of West Coast, but the Board of West Coast has a legal responsibility to act in the interest of the West Coast Eagles Football Club. So therefore, even if they sack the board, they would have to appoint a board who would in turn act in the interest of the West Coast Eagles Football Club. Now, I guess one of the, the link-ups of my column last week was linking back to a column I wrote a couple of weeks ago where I basically said West Coast should be privately owned and controlled because they effectively are anyway. And the way Wayne explained it to me, and I was vaguely familiar with all of this anyway, but basically the way he underlined it to me is they pretty much are privately owned and controlled. They have to pay a royalty. And I just think one of the key takeouts of all of this is we need to get more money out of West Coast. Now, I don't care what the mechanism is, but West Coast is an outlier and an anomaly financially in the AFL system. They were the first club into WA, which is a massive football market, and by the time Fremantle entered the competition, West Coast had won two premierships and had nailed down and rusted on 60% of the market. So they're always going to be the big club in WA, and that's okay. Because the other club in WA is financially viable and definitely not an underachiever, as uh, the CEO of the West Australian Football Commission, Michael Roberts, described them. Um, And that was one point that Wayne Martin did make to me. He said, we view both clubs as overachievers in in the AFL market. So I just think that we need to accept that they are very different clubs. At the moment, they're on the same royalty arrangement and Fremantle is required to put in about 1.1 mil a year and West Coast dividend gets as big as about $4 million. Let's be realistic about this. West Coast is capable of putting in $10 million a year. And let's also be realistic about this, is that the way we do it at the moment is like having a bumper harvest every year, sticking all the grain in a silo and not feeding the sheep with it. Mm. It's... It's just silly. You know, West Coast has tens of millions of dollars in cash reserve. They are an arm of West Australian footy, whether they like to pretend they are or not. And that money has to serve some purpose for WA footy. And they can't just put their brand all over it and bombard um, WA footy with their brand and make it difficult for the other club that the WA Football Commission owns. I think we need to do it differently and we need to do it in a way that enables us to access more of West Coast money because that right now that money 
in their bank accounts, in their cash reserves, serves no purpose whatsoever. I like the metaphor too from a boy from Country WA. Um, this is Joel Thompson. Hi, guys. Really enjoy the pod. Full disclosure, I'm a diehard Frio supporter, so forgive me for viewing the footy through deep a deep purple lens. I think it's a testament to the even contributions from the team that we have won so many games, but only one player... Andy Brayshaw is talked about in all Australian calculations, usually in an interchange role. However, with Jacob Wiedering going down, do you think Alex Pierce is a chance to get the other key defensive? Alex Pierce is a chance to get the other key defensive post along with Stephen May, assuming Stephen stays away from any further late night scuffles in Paran. <laughs> Lots of switching goes on down back through the game, but from my recollection, the only time Pierce has been opened up was against Max King for a quarter in round two. Since then, he's held the likes of Kennedy, Hawkins, McKay and Casbolt to two goals or less. 2019, Pierce was well in the AA frame before going down with his broken leg, and I think he's been more consistent this year, albeit getting plenty of help from his fellow back sixes. Good, good email, that one. Yeah, I reckon Alex Pierce has had a good season. Yeah. I'm not sure he's quite at All-Australian level. I think the great... You'd throw Sicily in there, wouldn't you, at Hawthorne? Well, Sicily yeah. has been in most of the All-Australian teams I've seen, yeah. the half-season All-Australian teams. He's a very good player. Um I think the great thing about Fremantle is that while it is only Brayshaw that's being talked about as a potential All-Australian, they would have six players, I reckon, who would be in that next rung down, not quite All-Australian level, but having very, very strong seasons. So I think that's been one of Fremantle's strengths, and I hope that continues all the way through to the um, to the end of the season. Well, Duff, it comes down to three. My vote, I'm just going to reward the prescience of Joseph Schulk. That's my opinion. I think the 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 uh, by um, the coach in waiting. The, I think the coach in waiting. Logue up front, playing him as a defensive forward. I like that email. Yourself, okay. I'll go with you. Let's yep. go with Joseph. So Joseph, a very a very high quality field this week. A no very high quality Melbourne Cup field, um, and we've got a podium for the first time. So do I. Thank you for sending all your emails in, Joseph. You can send your details to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. All right, thank you very much for joining us today. Hopefully we have helped you tip a winner this weekend and hopefully your team goes well this weekend. Hopefully, if you're a West Coast fan, those 15 players that run around in the waffle uh, get through okay and you can start building a stronger team towards the back end of this season. And uh, sorry, Quarters, but hopefully Freo roll the Hawks on Saturday at Optus Stadium. All right, we have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gamble help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. Good luck to your team. Good luck with your tips. And we'll be back on Tuesday to run the ruler over the world. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.